welcome to the Consulting Lifestyle Podcast. I am your host, Diogen Tirandekura. On this show, you will discover the realities, the successes and the struggles of business management and information technology consultants in the fast-moving B2B world. So stay tuned if you want to know more about what it takes to have a consulting lifestyle. Hello and welcome to the Consulting Lifestyle Podcast. This is your host, Diogen Tirandekura. And today it's a solo episode that I release. It is the episode number 98. So just in case it is the first time that you're hearing about this show, I know that there are a lot of episodes that have already been released on the subject of B2B consulting. So this show is really, it's hosted by a consultant. It is for the consultants and for anyone that is interested to know more about the B2B consulting profession, career and industry. So. Today, uh, what I'm going to talk about is about the fact that I just started a new ERP implementation project, and I want to provide you with 10 tips as to how to start successfully in an ERP implementation project. And I know that we are in a context that it is a project that has already started, even though it's at the start, but still it has already been started. Most of the project team has already been formed and you're being added into one of the streams of that project. By the way, if you want to know more about different roles that you can have in an ERP implementation project and the type of project, there are previous episodes in which I have detailed the different types of consultant that you find in an implementation project and also the different types of projects and the reasons why we should start an ERP implementation project. So let's get to it. And what I want to start with, the first tip that I will provide you, it's actually before you start the project, is, is to do your pre-work study. I call it like that. So what I mean by that is sometimes before you start the assignment, because you have had to do interviews with the consulting company, with the client, with various people at the project in order to be hired in that project, you already have some prior information because in all interviews, you do introduce yourself but you and your experience, but they also do introduce themselves and they also provide you with some key information about the situation of the project and the reasons why the project has started. So it gives you clues about where you could make some added research with regards to uh, the situation of the project. Or if you have already been hired and you know some people that are involved in the project, you could try to have a phone call with them and uh, ask them a bit about the situation, the atmosphere, the mood of the client, the mood of the consulting company, the feasibility of the solution, etc. So there are a lot of things that you can get and I think it helps you to get prepared when you start because sometimes there are things that you prefer to know in advance instead of discovering them while you are there. The second tip is when you start during the first weeks, you will be invited, added to new distribution list to get into various types of meetings. This is what very often happens on ERP implementation projects because it's about integrating a software, but also integrated processes, integrated uh, different systems. Sometimes if the project is the result of a merger and acquisition, you need to integrate different companies, different cultures, etc. So a lot of meetings are happening in order to get everybody to work in the same direction and with the same understanding. Therefore, all those meetings are a chance for you to introduce yourself. And usually you will have somebody that is, unless you have been hired to be the facilitator of the meeting, or you have been hired to be the one that will be leading the meeting. This is what will happen as a consultant. Very quickly, you will be asked to lead the meeting. But if you are just participating into the meeting, make sure, get the chance to introduce yourself so that as soon as possible, people know who you are. They know how to pronounce your name. Okay. 
something maybe more for me uh, how to pronounce my name but what I mean by that is not only pronounce your name I think it's not the most important thing actually but it's uh, the, the most important thing that I meant is they know why you're here and they know how you're right here they know why you're here they know what is your background and experience and the more people know it the more people will understand that if there is discussion about a certain topic if there is decision on a certain topic to take you you should be invited so that's because people do not guess that you have even if there was an email saying that you have arrived people don't always guess that you have arrived or people don't know that you have arrived so uh, make sure that you introduce yourself properly swiftly but wherever you can make sure that you introduce yourself tip number three try so that's part of the introduction with the the key people that you will work even though you might find yourself quickly in collective meetings try to get whether they are formal or informal but try to get to have those one-on-one communications with them so if you're working in the office, yes, try to do it face to face. But today, uh, a lot of people are working remotely and I think it's becoming, it has become a norm. So try to get that one-on-one on a little Zoom. Try to, to have maybe that chat if uh, you're more comfortable in writing, but it's just that maybe writing for the other people can be seen also as a disturbance or can be seen as a, a small talk. So it depends, depends on the culture, but try to get at least the one-on-one conversation, one-on-one communications with the key people you will work with because they will get to know you more. They will know more maybe about your house, family situation, etc. And they will start to roam to you as a person. I believe it is very important in order to build a relationship. My fourth advice is to, and that helps if you have done the one-on-one, is to identify the de facto subject matter experts. So what I mean by that is that you you have people that are appointed as team leads. And sometimes the team lead is the best person to, or very often it's the best person to lead the team, but it's not necessarily always the, the most knowledgeable person. Sometimes you have people that are part of the core project team, people that are working full-time on the project, but they always defer to that one person from legal or that one person from accounting, that one person from sales for to validate their positions, to validate their decisions, to validate the, eventually validate the direction of the project. So sometimes you, people that are on the project are actually more messengers than, okay, yeah, they are more messengers than thinkers, if I can say it like that. I'm not saying that they are not thinkers at all, but they are not the most expert on the subject or they are not the best positioned people to take decisions. So they have to defer to uh, people that are internal or, or if it's a consultant, consultant that are not full-time on the project, maybe that are not at all part of the project, but they have that huge influence. If you identify those de facto subject matter experts, also try to build a relationship with them, even though they are not, maybe not in the project. That is very important, not because you want to supersede the channel of communication, but you want to know that you have a good relationship with them and that they can trust your work because you need the people that are working directly with you to trust you. And you also need those subject matter experts to trust you as well. Identify as well. I think it's very related to what I just said, but identify the decision-making patterns of your team and of your clients. So again, as I said, deferring to a de facto subject matter expert is a decision-making pattern. It's one type of decision-making pattern, but there are other dynamics, other team dynamics, and also other team cultures where the management is way more authoritarian and the team members, they really always defer to the hierarchical lead for making any decision. The problem with not identifying decision-making patterns is that you, you have to adapt your communication accordingly. 
when I say adapt your communication accordingly, I'm not saying that you have to um, agree or you have to just go along. You don't have to do exactly the same as what you see, but maybe you identify it and uh, you may raise it as an issue with whom you have built trust and maybe you can try to change it. So maybe if the project is too authoritarian and we always defer to that one boss that is almighty and uh, deciding absolutely every detail, most of the time these are projects that don't always get the best ideas because the project is not always the most informed on the details, but also are pretty slow because everything is pending a yes, a no, a meeting with that certain person, that uh, project lead, for example. And that decision-making pattern, you might say, mm, that's not a good decision-making pattern. Could we, could I try to change it? Or maybe it's just not for me. Maybe I have to change a project. So that is very important to identify decision-making patterns in a, uh, in a project. So this is my tip number five. Then tip number six, there are always learning opportunities. So uh, the name of my uh, tip number six is to uh, identify the learning opportunities that are provided by the project. So the learning opportunities are from two sides. One is the hard skills that you can learn. So for example, in my side, I'm an SAP consultant and with the SAP software. So if there is a new module that I can learn or a new type of implementing or a new way of integrating one module with another, that is a learning opportunity. Just try to note it down, identify them and give yourself a goal and say, okay, you know what, by the end of that project, on top of doing the work that I am doing, I'm really, really, really make sure that I am able to configure this and this and this, or I really make sure that I will understand that type of master data, or I will understand that tool for data migration, etc. So really make sure that you identify those uh, learning opportunities, because this is the type of things that will advance your uh, career and also advance yourself as a consultant. And I say that it is both on hard skills and soft skills. So you might be someone that has trouble listening. You might be someone that has trouble communicating effectively. You might be someone that has trouble giving orders, etc. So there are also things that you need to work on. Not nobody is perfect. And uh, we all have hard and soft skills on which we should improve. So identify them and uh, work proactively on that and uh, test how you react to some situations. That's really part of a very high level, having a very high level of self-awareness. So this was my tip number six. Now, tip number seven, show reliability very early. What I mean by that? When you start on a, on a project, usually, unless you arrive and uh, there was a, you arrive in a crisis situation and uh, you need to turn off, can I say that? Yeah, to fight, do firefighting. I will just say that it's that's not the case where I am. I will not take that context. I'm taking the, the general context where you arrive at the, at the project that is just progressing at regular pace uh, at the moment where, where you arrive. Show reliability very early. So what it means is that when you say that you, you will send that email at 4 p.m., do it uh, at 4 p.m. I would even say do it at 3.30. If you say that you will be described during the meeting and uh, you will send the meeting minutes, just do it. If you say that you will book a meeting, just do it. If you say that you, you will prepare a demo, just do it. So what, what I mean by that is that people will start to trust you because they trust your word. Then that's the first reassurance that they will have with you as a person. The reassurance that they needed before you arrive on the project was based on your competency, hard skills, competencies. That's why you have been hired. That has usually already been decided that you are competent from a hard skills perspective to uh, deliver on the project. But 
Are you able to communicate properly? Are you a man of your word or a woman of your word? That's something that is different. And that's where you can make a difference is by showing reliability very early. Tip number eight, confirm and confirm and confirm understanding. What I mean is that when you arrive in a new project, you may have your own jargon as a consultant, but the project has its jargon and the client has its jargon. And that jargon has been developed over the years uh, and over maybe some times over decades if it's a big old big company so make sure that you have understood what they mean when they say our admin our analyst our scientists our managers our leaders i can tell you that in almost in every organization it means something different I mean, it can mean something completely different in some consulting companies when you say an analyst you're a junior person but in another company, maybe a normal company, a business analyst is someone that might be very high in the organization or at least very, very important. So make sure that you understand uh, what is being said, mostly when you identify that they are using jargon because you don't know that jargon. And sometimes that jargon can vary according to the offices where, where you are. When it is a multinational, according to the countries that might change jargon. So that is very important. Tip number nine, almost at the end. That's actually confirm understanding. And my tip number nine is, a is, is really the complementary to tip number eight is to use it. Use client jargon and use we. So we, W-E, very early in the project. Even though you're new in the team, you're part of the team. So don't come up very often with, you can say, okay, I'm in the project since one week. I'm in the project since two weeks. I'm in the project since three days. You can say that, but you're already part of the team. So start by the we. Okay, how do we get successful? How do we? solve that problem? How do we finish the project on time? How do we make a presentation of that software, etc.? So very quickly include that team, open up your brain to a team-minded paradigm. So we, I talk about we, 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 we. It's not I discover, we discovered, we did this, we succeeded, we are, we are good together, etc. So try to build that very quickly. And it's complementary to communicate, to confirm understanding because when you do that, we you also use that client jargon. So that's why it's uh, it's complementary. But uh, try to show that you're part of the team as quickly as possible. And tip number 10, last but not least, focus on long-term relationship building, whether it is with the client or with the or with consultants. So every interaction is the could be the start of a long-term relationship. And that long-term relationship can be that you are working intensely with that person for some months. And then we uh, you keep in touch through LinkedIn, you keep in touch through emails or whatever, but you, you keep in touch with that person. And one day you might need that person. Another day she might or he might need you. And um, they will call upon you because they know who you are about. They know what are your skills. And they know that in the future, you're building other skills. But as a human, you have evolved, but not completely changed like you're a person that is compassionate that has empathy that is capable to listen that's capable to be a good leader these are not things that's changed these maybe the change the way you do it but people because you have shown reliability because you have constantly tried to confirm understanding because you have constantly shown that you're a team person because you you use the word we as soon as possible and as often as possible you will be someone that people will will want to work with again later. So really, really focus on long-term relationship building. I think it is very important to do it very early. So these were the 10 tips that I wanted to share with you. 
I hope that they have been useful. Take that with you whenever you start a new ERP implementation project. You can see that in the tips, I have not mentioned anything related to the ERP itself, but more about how you conduct yourself as a professional when you integrate that project. If you want to see a recap of those 10 points, they are listed in a PDF that you can find on the link that is in the description of the video and a link that is also on the show notes of the podcast episode. And there you will be able to get those 10 points, which I think are very important. Let me know what you think. I'm available through LinkedIn. You can leave a comment if you're watching the video or if you're listening to the audio, you can get in touch with me on LinkedIn or you can send um, always send an email to my company, info at erphappy.com. So this was uh, Diogen Tirandekura from the Consulting Lifestyle Podcast. And I'm very happy to have been able to share with you those 10 tips to take when you start a new ERP implementation project. So see you next week for the next episode. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Consulting Lifestyle Podcast. Leave a review on iTunes if you have enjoyed the episode and subscribe to the podcast so that you get notified to hear other episodes with your host, Diogène Tirandekoura.